We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for June 13th, 2010. And this is an, an impromptu study. I wasn't even planning on doing a study today as I was trying to get out of Florida uh, yesterday. And um, about an hour into our journey out of here, my SUV started doing some, well, making some really, really bad noises, put it that way. And I could not in good conscience uh, continue with what I was trying to do, trying to pull a travel trailer and, and things of this nature. So I'm, I looked at everything from this week that I'd sent out, and I kind of decided to do an impromptu study just to kind of update you on a little bit of the things. If you've gotten the uh, emails and the links that I've been sending out in the last week, you're pretty up to date on what's going on. And uh, I just wanted to try to do a synopsis. This is not going to be a four-hour study or a three-hour or anything like that. I'm, I'm hoping that it's no more than, you know, just this part one. And just to kind of hit the high points on a lot of these stories, bring it all together, do a synopsis of things, and um, just to continue with that. Uh, the, the thing that I was reminded of as of last night is... If you're planning, if you're here in Florida, if you're in the Gulf region, if you're in uh, near the coast in Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, or pretty much anywhere in Florida, uh, maybe excluding the upper northernest most, most point of Florida, um, and you're planning on evacuating, number one, you want to try to do this well ahead of the evacuation. And I'm going to go over more of that today on what is most likely going to constitute what is going to be the rationale and reasoning for finally implementing an evacuation. As far as I can see, I think I've got it pretty much figured out at this point. Uh, it's going to be the air quality issues that we're going to look at and discuss. Uh, when the air quality to deteriorates to a certain point, and we're going to be looking at the various chemicals they're monitoring, that's when things, and, and you're going to see people literally start to get sick and these types of things. They're not going to be able to contain it anymore from a media perspective, and they're going to implement that. So uh, they're letting all this happen, you know, just so, you know, and I've stated that in previous studies, that this is something that, this is a crisis that they're taking advantage of to the maximum. But it's also something that's most likely out of control at this point, and um, we're going to be looking at all the different aspects. But as, as I was trying to get out of here uh, yesterday, and um, the thing you have to bear in mind is that doing things like this, you have to expect the unexpected. And you have to uh, try to have as many things, you know, in order when you're trying to get out of, of a given situation. There's a lot of things that can go wrong, I guess is what I'm trying to say. A, a ton of things. I had massive amounts of things that went wrong just prior to even getting on the road. And bear in mind, I mean, if you're just going to jump in a car and go, that's one thing. If you're going to try to actually take some of your uh, possessions and you're going to try to actually, if you have, whether it's an RV or a camper or a travel trailer, fifth wheel, uh, things that can go wrong will go up exponentially, particularly if these are things you haven't uh, messed with for a while. It's not really the case with me. 
because I've been preparing for this eventuality for a long, long time. But even so, I still had massive problems yesterday. And um, uh, these are just things that, that you have to, and, and this is why it's good to try to implement things ahead of time as much as possible. Because if you wait to the last minute, and this, and everything starts to go down, and you, you come up against something like I did yesterday, well, it's too late. You know, you, you, you're not going to have a second opportunity. I'm, I'm going to try to, you know, retool and get whatever this issue is fixed in my truck and, and a couple other things while I have it down there and take another crack at it, Lord willing, you know. So uh, just bear that in mind. This is, this is something that you have a window of opportunity right now, I believe. How long that window of opportunity is open, I don't know. It's really, really hard to uh, predict that. With the amount of oil that's coming out of the ocean and with the fissures now that are opened up and they're, they're pretty much proving that there's other fissures, some of them up to 20 miles away from the original leak, there's no real way to know how much oil is actually getting into um, the ocean. And there's no way to know the volatile gases that are actually outgassing from the wells as well. And I'm going to play a brief clip from... Um, uh, Alex Jones show and Lindsey Williams, and just to let him, because he's he's been he's been in touch with a lot of insiders regarding this issue for at least twenty five years, over twenty five years, um, and he's written a book on this. He's done several videos, and his information is totally confirming every other thing I'm seeing. Regarding this information, I've put out some emails this week. I'll put out another one tonight in, a long, in conjunction with this teaching. And I'm just seeing more confirmation from almost every various source that I'm... And I'm even talking about some mainstream media, MSNBC. You know, Those sources included, I'm seeing confirmation. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. So, massive amounts of confirmation. And I think uh, I was listening to a report on Steve Quayle the other night, and he, he made a good analogy. And I think that I wanted to repeat that for, for my listeners, where he said there has to come some point when you're looking and gauging a situation. Now, this is this is excluding, like, God speaking to you in, like, an audible voice, okay? Okay, if, if, if that's where you're, you're at in your walk with the Lord, or you think you've heard that or whatever, that's one thing. But... There's also other ways to assess situations, and you can have a prompting from the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of different things, but you can look and assess a situation, and it's almost like thinking of a scale. And you've got all these reasons on one side where you wouldn't go, you wouldn't evacuate, you wouldn't leave, you'd stay. And then you have all these other reasons on the other side that are pointing you and telling you warning, danger, this is worsening, this is, and, you're, and you're seeing all this information build up and compile. And at some point, the, stale, the scales get tipped to where I, I'm to the point where I don't need to see anymore. I mean, it's, it's so obvious that for me to stay um, would be crazy, knowing what I know right now. That's my personal opinion. Uh, but I think I have a lot of, of um, information to back up that. Now let's go ahead and let's, um, let's look at this clip real quick here. Now I'm, I'm starting into this one clip. I'm only going to play 
uh, it's about eight minutes of this particular clip with Lindsay Williams. And this is Alex just kind of introducing him here, and then we're gonna, he's going to talk to Lindsay Williams. So this is real intel, but take it for what it's worth. The globalist, the Bilderberg-type guy. Uh, well, take it for what it's worth. The globalist, the Bilderberg-type guy, uh, former you know head of one of the big three oil companies. This is his view on it. We're getting it from Lindsey Williams. Lindsey, uh, that petroleum geologist that called in backed up what you had to say. Uh, please continue. Uh, but this looks like they drilled into some type of uh, magma chamber or batholith. Senator Bill Nelson, Democratic from, Democrat from Florida, he appeared yesterday, June the 9th, on MSNBC. Andrea Mitchell interviewed him. You can go and look at this. Please do. He said, oil is seeping up from the seabed. Now let me give you the report that was given on Tuesday of this week by NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. This is Chris Baltimore. You'll notice that I am very carefully documenting everything I am saying today, Alex. This man is from Houston. Disappeared on Wilders. Go and find it for yourself. It says, UX experts investigating reports of underseas oil plumes emanating from BP's Pix-stricken well in the Gulf of Mexico on Tuesday concerned the presence of low levels of oil below the surface. NOAA is confirming the presence of very low concentrations of subsurface oil, and they have admitted now to underseas plumes. Now, let me try to explain very quickly. Underseas plumes, what the gentleman said just a moment ago that you took the phone call from, Alex, he's exactly right. And I, when I heard him say it, I knew I'd get to it in a minute. Undoubtedly. Whenever this extreme pressure of 20 to 70,000 pounds per square inch hit that pipe, it probably burst it at numerous points between the floor where, where they had gone into this strata of oil and the top of the pipe. And now that oil... Is now, if you notice, he said it's between 20 and 70,000 pounds per square inch, which is far greater, far, far, far greater than an average oil field, as he was talking in the previous audios of what they call artesian wellhead pressure, far greater than a normal um, oil field that would come in, which would, which would range anywhere typically from 1,000 to 2,000 pounds per square inch. But because this oil well was drilled so deep, it was, I mean, literally 5,000 feet down, and then you've got 5,000 feet from the surface of the... Um, uh, of, of the bottom, 25,000 feet, I believe, from the surface of the bottom. So you've got a total of about 30,000 uh, feet. You've got miles and miles and miles. You, you're, you're, you're dealing in a range where we're at the edge of our technological uh, ability to drill a well this deep. And what they're saying is what they actually struck into was unlike a standard oil well. What they actually hit... Um, was an oil well with such massive, massive pressures that they don't really have the ability to contain it. And uh, this is kind of what he's talking about here. And if you think about a, um, there's a, um, I'll provide you the link to this video, but there's a cross-section of uh, what you would almost look at like a volcano. And what they're saying here is the oil well has literally, where it's come up out of the ground, it's fractured in different spaces, 
below the ground, and, and below it's actually, it's almost like little fingers feeding out other oil, and they're like fissures. What, what I'm seeing here, and, and the thing that I'm seeing that um, makes this almost so impossible to cap at this point, is because of these fissures that are actually below the ground, they can cap the main well all they want. But really all that is going to do is force the remaining oil that can't get out through the one main leak into the other fissures. And that also may worsen them even more because there's going to be even more pressure for those fissures, which could open them up even further. Now you've got a situation where containment is virtually impossible. And so anyway, let's go with the video more. Is leaking out as far as 20 miles away. Now, not just five. NOAA said that they had roughly been able to confirm 20 mile away plumes. This may okay, so that means that the fissures are actually up to 20 miles away from the original oil leak. How can you contain something like that? I mean, it, it's just, and again, you cap the main leak, the pr- that, that excess pressure's got to go somewhere, goes to the other fissures, or even possibly creates new ones. So, the situation's pretty dire. Is that this thing is fractured in many spots. And right. let me just so add, let me just add that a batholith is a underground magma chamber that has, uh, that has cooled. A lacolith is one that is still molten. And uh, that was their concern with super deep drilling is that they would hit these underground magma chambers. And a lot of laymen looking at it coming out under pressure, uh, record pressure, uh, you know, said it looks like a volcano. Well, uh, what does your inside source say? Are they, I mean, because that's where this looks like this is leading. Yes, that's exactly correct. Now, let me go to something much more startling. The black oil in the water in the Gulf of Mexico is not the greatest danger. Are you hearing me? I mean, you've got to understand we are not being told by our president and by our congressman, and they know this. The black stuff that comes out that you call oil is just destroying wildlife, fish and oysters and shrimp and fishermen's occupations and pristine white beaches and the marshlands and the coral reefs. What comes out with the oil? Most people don't realize this, uh, Alex, that there are actually things that come out of the ground with the oil. And what comes out of the ground, out of that gusher with the oil is causing the death of humans and unborn babies. Folks, please, I have never been so concerned in my life. Most people think only oil comes out. Oil is not the only thing that comes out. I'm going to give them to you. Right from the EPA. They came out with their report this week. This is the Environmental Protection Agency. They went to the Gulf. They made their test, and they found coming out with the oil are some of the most toxic compounds and gases. They're in the air. They are flammable. They are toxic, and I'm going to name them for you and give you the report right from the Environmental Protection Agency. They are hiding this. I was able to get it. Please write these words down. They announced just this week volatile organic compounds in the air in the Gulf. Did you get those words? This is very important. Volatile organic compounds. They listed some. I'm going to list them for you. This will scare the daylights out of you. Now, remember what I said earlier, that this is going to be, uh, I believe, the thing that 
will cause the, the evacuation. This particular subject and aspect, it's one thing to have the oil in the water, but this is a whole other ball of wax that we're dealing with here. And this is most likely the issue that will cause this critical mass to develop where evacuations, and, and evacuations will probably be warranted. Uh, most likely, that it'll, it'll be something that will actually be warranted in this particular case. So they've got a catastrophe here uh, that has actual merit to it regarding what we're talking about. And this is information that, that is being suppressed, but I think he makes a lot of good points. So let's continue. In the atmosphere, in the Gulf, number one, hydrogen sulfide. The levels that are allowed, according to the EPA's own statements, the allowable levels of hydrogen sulfide are 5 to 10 parts per billion. I'm saying these very carefully, so you get it. P-P-B, parts per billion. They tested in the last few days in the Gulf, and the winds are carrying this to the shore. This scares the daylights out of me. Florida's getting it. Alabama, Georgia, uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, hydrogen sulfide. Safe levels, 5 to 10 parts per billion. Tested level this past week presently, 1,200 parts per billion. And you wonder why people are getting sick. Let me give you the next one. Benzene, oh please, I'm going to read. Okay, so that last one, they're measuring up to 1,200 parts per billion. Allowable would be 5 to 10. So if you do the math, you can see there's there's massive uh, overage here of, of permissible this hydrogen sulfide that's in the air, and this is this stuff can kill you. The contents and the, the uh, how dangerous benzene is at the moment. Benzene, this is toxic. It causes malignancies. It's known to cause leukemia and cancer. The safe level, according to the Environmental Protection Agency's own records, it is so toxic, they only allow zero to four parts per billion. The current level in the Gulf of Mexico going to the shore of all of those states and Florida being carried by the winds is 3,000 parts per billion. Folks, this, this, this is so startling. The people down there should at least be warned by this 13-year-old adult we call the President of the United States of America. The people should at least be told by this man what they're breathing, what they're facing, and that two, three, five, ten years from now, we're going to have deformed babies and people with respiratory problems and people... Well, I don't know if we've got that long. Uh, if you've got a level of 3,000 parts per billion of benzene, an allowable level, I believe you said like two parts. Uh, and remember, we talked extensively about benzene in the previous studies. It's considered the mother of all carcinogens, meaning the mother of all cancer-causing compounds. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable what is going on and the suppression of this type of information, but you've got more than one toxic compound now floating around, and um, let's hear a little bit more. Doc, I will give you one more. Well, I must go back to benzene. Wait a minute. I got to read you what the what it says on benzene. Expose exposure to low levels of benzene can cause dizziness, drowsiness, headache, confusion, tremor, rapid heartbeat, 
and unconsciousness. Long-term exposure to benzene can cause damage in the bone marrow and lead to blood problems like leukemia. It also weakens the immune system and targets uh, organs such as the kidneys, lungs, and the brain. Folks, this is so dangerous until even I, as a minister, shudder to think about it. I'm going to give you one more. It was in the EPA's uh, report. Methylene chloride, safe levels of methylene chloride that a person can breathe in the air, and this is airborne, in the Gulf, safe levels, 61 parts per billion. The current levels that were just found a few days ago by the EPA, 3,000 to 3,400 parts per billion. And the American people are not being warned that they're breathing this toxic, flammable stuff. And Alex, a hurricane, I, I shudder to think about it. A hurricane could carry this stuff all the way up the east coast of America, and no health care system in the world would ever be able to pay the hospital bills of what people are going to suffer. Alex, I'm Well, the good news is, is the good news is, there's tens of trillions of gallons. I don't know the number. Guys, do a search engine on uh, estimated uh, gallons of water uh, in the Gulf of Mexico slash Caribbean. I mean, the good news is, though, even though uh, you're saying your sources have this at four or five million gallons a day, not 500 million, even though all that's going on, that a lot of this is going to be dispersed and uh, diluted. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it, but I mean, certainly the people are getting sick who are cleaning this up. And I had thought, I mean, I know there is some of these toxins in oil, depending on where you drill. It varies. As you know, uh, you know, Lindsay, working for oil companies, you have the sweet crew that's very clean. Uh, you have the regular crew that has a lot of other things in it. And a lot of the toxic waste that we deal with in the oil industry is the byproducts and what to do with it all. Uh, but uh, any way you slice it, it's a catastrophe. So that's just the one video. From what I've seen, the only way, the only solution... I have seen that any, uh, Lindsay Williams mentioned it, other people have mentioned it, it's been brought up before even in mainstream news. The only solution that they're saying would be viable, the people in the know, because you're dealing with these fissures, you would have to literally drill way, way, way down, and I don't know whether these, you know, with these relief wells that they're drilling, there's a very, very low likelihood they're going to be able to succeed with normal methods because uh, with the relief well, if they're going to try, I think it's called bottom kill, where they're going to try to pump mud in there or whatever, the problem you're running into is that the, the pressures are so much greater than anything they've ever encountered in times past. Literally, they've never, they, from what they were saying, from what this BP oil executive was telling Lindsey Williams, they don't have the technology to cap this with the kind of, pressures they're getting at the wellhead. There's just they don't have the technology. They're saying now that's what they're saying. I'm I'm not saying it's true. The only thing they're saying would have any potential to work would be literally putting a nuke way, way, way down there, some type of nuclear device, setting it off and hoping for the best. And if they were to do it just right at the right level, you probably would be able to stop all the fissure activity in the main wellhead. But you could also potentially make this situation a hundred or a thousand times worse and have a, a reverse effect. Most uh, That could happen as well. So um, I don't know whether... I, I think they're going to keep going with what they've been doing. 
status quo. They were talking about, you know, August getting the relief wells uh, set in there. Most likely that's going to have no chance of working if, if they're going to do what they say they're going to do. There's going to be more and more and more oil and volatile uh, chemicals escaping into the atmosphere, into the water. As those chemicals build up more and more and more, as it gets more into the loop current and then the Gulf Stream, you're going to be getting higher and higher levels of these carcinogenic and, and life-threatening compounds in the air. And at some point, critical mass will be achieved where it really will start affecting people's health. Now, I saw an interesting report this morning kind of regarding this. And it was, um, it was saying that the um, May levels of toxic gas in the Gulf back up claim made by Lindsay Williams. And there was a New Orleans TV station that actually did a report on this. And uh, you can click on the link, I'll send it out, and you can watch it, where they were actually recording some of these levels. Uh, now, the ones that Lindsay Williams talked about were hydrogen sulfide, benzene, methylene chloride. Uh, I'm just reading right off this right now. On May 14th, WWL-TV in New Orleans ran a report on the levels of hydrogen sulfide and benzene in the air. At that time, at that time, okay, this was in May now, 5 to 10 parts per billion was an established allowable amount for hydrogen sulfide. This TV station reported that on May 3rd, the level was recorded at 1,192 parts per billion. Now, remember, Lindsey Williams said from, from his re, uh, contacts, they've reported levels up to 1,200 parts per billion. Now, granted, that's just in one spot. If you went out to where, like, the oil, um, let's say the wellhead or whatever, and you recorded the level there, it might be a lot higher. You know, it depends on, you know, where the prevailing winds are, and there's a lot of factors that go into this. And that's proven... Because it, they, they give you a little chart here. And um, on some days, the hydrogen sulfide levels, like on, on April 28th, were, were not detectable at all. They weren't on April 29th, April 30th. But then on May 2nd, they had 30 parts per billion, which is too high. And then on um, uh, May 3rd, the next day, it was 1,192. Now, this is based on what they're admitting to, a mainstream media, news station. So, you can see the fluctuations here. You might have one day where certain things are going on, the winds are prevailing in a certain way. They're saying there may be some days where they're doing burns in the Gulf. That could affect it. You know, I'm not an expert in that area. but uh, And then you look at these... Uh, these things called VOCs, these volatile compounds in the air, and they, they measured those as well. And on a day that hydrogen sulfide was not detectable, April 30th, they picked that up at 3,084 parts per billion. So it just depends on, you know, it could depend where um, the fissures are, where the chemicals are being leaked from, prevailing winds, who knows? There's probably a ton of factors that can figure into this. But this is what they're admitting to. So that's backing up what Lindsey Williams was actually saying there. Um, okay, and relating to this subject, this is from Washington Blog from June 12th. And it goes on to say, uh, as I noted Tuesday, there was growing evidence that BP's oil well, technically called the well casing or well bore, has suffered damage beneath the level of the seafloor. 
The evidence is growing stronger and stronger that there is substantial damage beneath the seafloor. Now, part of this may be because they've tried to go in there and cap it, and maybe that created further pressure. Part of it is because evidently the oil is coming out at such a great rate that the friction that the oil itself actually creates actually is starting to thin the actual well casing. I've heard that as well. That's what Lindsay Williams was talking about as well. Uh, there is evidence growing stronger and stronger that there is substantial damage beneath the seafloor. Indeed, it appears that BP officials themselves have admitted to such damage. This has enormous impacts on both the amount of oil leaking into the Gulf and the prospects for quickly stopping the leak this summer. Two sources at the companies involved uh, with the well said that BP also discovered new damage inside the well below the seafloor. Some of the drilling mud that was successfully forced into the well was going off to the side into the rock formations. In other words, there's fissures at a lot of different levels. Uh, We discovered things that were broken in the subsurface, said a BP official who spoke on the condition of anonymity. He said that the mud was making it out to the side into the formation. Now, again, how do you stop something like that? You've got to go well below where it's, it's coming out and some kind of cataclysmic explosion like a nuclear device. I can understand why they're talking about this now. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I'm just saying I can understand why they would be talking about this right now regarding that. Uh, let's go further here. Now, this is a report, I, when I really first started to pay a lot of attention to this, is when I started seeing high-level politicians, our own senator in Florida here, Bill Nelson, he had a report on MSNBC about this possible doomsday scenario. And this is what they were, this is what they were talking about here. Uh, now, if they're admitting this much, it may be far worse, because like I said, the, the mainstream media is controlled. On June 7th, Senator Bill Nelson told MSNBC that he is investigating reports of oil seeping up from additional leak points on the seafloor. Senator Nelson, uh, Andrew, we're looking into, this is him talking, Andrew, we're looking into something right now, new right now, that there's a report that oil is seeping up from the seabed, which would indicate that, that if that's true, that the well casing itself is actually pierced. Underneath the seabed, as you know, problems could just be enormous with what we're facing. And then the MSNBC reporter, Andrew Mitchell, says, Now let me understand this better, what you're saying. If that is true, that is coming up from the seabed, even the relief well won't be the final solution to cap this thing. That means we've got oil gushing up at different places on the seafloor. Senator Nelson says that is possible unless you get the plug down low enough below where the pipe would be breached. But again... This is unlike anything they have ever, and there's an actual video here that you can you can watch the actual video itself. So, again, you got to get it low enough for that to happen, and um, it's a it's a very dicey proposition. And again, then it brings up a good point. Indeed, the loss of integrity in the well itself may explain why BP is drilling its relief wells more than ten thousand feet beneath the leaking pipes on the seafloor. Because they want to get down low enough to where, you know, hopefully this will, they can stop this. Of course, again, they are letting all this happen. So, <laughs> it's it's hard to know ultimately what their ultimate goal is. If they're just going to let this continue forever, if they're going to just doing this to actually appear as though they're putting on a good show, it's very, very hard to say. And then this report goes on to say, oil industry expert Rod Kavner believes that the casing might be damaged beneath the seafloor, noting 
quote, the real doomsday scenario here is that if the casing gives up and it does come through the other strings of pipe, remember, it's a concentric pipe that holds this well together. If it comes into the formation, basically you've got uncontrolled oil flow to the seafloor, and that's a doomsday scenario. Carvner also said BP must keep the well flowing to minimize oil and gas going out into the formation on the side. And again, we don't know how far down this formation because they're saying now they're getting, they're getting leaks from 20 miles away from the original site. So who knows how deep those um, leaks can be if that's coming from this, if it's actually offshooting from that. Who knows how far down those actual leaks could be. It's, it's mind-boggling. If you really want to see a great synopsis of the videos where they have talked about these other leaks that are causing these other plumes. Uh, this particular link here um, that I will send out, where it's entitled BP Officials Admits to Damage Beneath the Seafloor, it gives you about every video so far that has confirmed this. And again, that's why I'm kind of doing this, not to go over every single piece of information today, but to give you all the tools and kind of a synopsis of what is going The main things that I'm seeing that would cause the biggest red flags. That's what we're really looking at today here. One of the things you would expect to see if this were the case is uh, it would be affecting certain migratory bird patterns uh, regarding if the birds can sense there's problems. And what I've heard from a lot of different sources is that areas along the Gulf Coast and where a lot of this is going on uh, now, I'm not talking about pelicans and seabirds so much, I think, that actually make their living there in the sea. But I'm talking about birds that are you know, migratory. These types of things don't actually literally have to depend on the sea. What you're seeing is um, people consistently over and over saying, I don't see any birds where there's the problem with these gases. And uh, I've seen a lot of different reports. And there was a report here that I'm looking at right now. And again, I give you the link to it. Entitled, Birds Flocking North by the Thousands. In a farmer's field in Tennessee, birds arrive by the thousands, gathering to the woodland areas and power lines. This behavior is not typical to standard fall migration patterns. Could this be a direct correlation with the Gulf oil spill, a vision of what is to come for mankind? Now, you can watch this video, and he shows you these power lines in Tennessee that are just, it's just wall-to-wall birds on these power lines. And he said, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. Well, again, the, the birds are going to go most likely where the air quality is going to be sound. And if, if they have to go all the way up to Tennessee, and I'm not saying it's the only place they've gathered, but Tennessee is quite a far way away. And um, that was just another thing that I think relates to this particular thing that we're talking about today. Another report coming from FloridaOilSpillLaw.com says that during an online chat session at Washington Post this afternoon, recently retired president of Shell Oil, John Hoffmeister, discussed the latest news and information about the BP oil spill. Um, a questionnaire asked him about the chances that the well casing below the seafloor had been compromised, compromised, and if so, would the relief wells be able to stop the flow? Hoffmeister responded, this is what some people fear has occurred. It is also why the top kill process was halted. 
If the casing is, is compromised, the well is that much more difficult to shut down, including the risk that the relief wells may not be enough. If the relief wells do not result in stopping the flow, the next and drastic step is to implode the well on top of itself, which carries other risks as well. Now, I don't know if he's, he's postulating a nuke to do that, a nuclear device to do that. I don't know. But it is, um, there's more and more talk of this, you know, nuclear devices imploding the well, these types of things. We're seeing more and more of that. Here's another, uh, this is an excellent resource for news on this. It's this Florida oil spill law.com. Man, they have got some really cutting edge stuff here. I've learned about as much from this website as any other site out there. It's almost, it's just almost wholly dedicated to this particular subject. This was entitled, uh, White House Officials, uh, Explosives to Stop the Well May Cause Uncontrolled Situation. Uh, one previously unthinkable idea that has been gaining steam in recent weeks has been decisively shot down, the nukes. Now, they're saying it's been decisively shot down. We'll see. We'll see. Carol Brown, Obama's energy and climate change czar, said you could end up with an uncontrolled situation. And she's absolutely right. You could, um, rather than just having one point of leakage, which is in the well, you could end up with having a lot of places leaking. Well, what, we're already having that. Okay, This is obviously a very difficult situation. We want, we want to make it more difficult. Some American experts have nonetheless taken up the call, a sign of how desperate the situation has become in the Gulf. Explosives, nuclear or otherwise, could serve to collapse the BP oil well, they say, and plug the hole that's been spewing a torrent of oil into the Gulf for weeks, ever since the company's Deepwater Horizon rig exploded. Seafloor nuclear detonation is starting to sound surprisingly feasible and appropriate, Michael E. Weber, a mechanical engineer at University of Austin in Texas. Christopher Brownfield, a one-time nuclear submarine officer and now a nuclear expert at Columbia University, has also suggested nuking the well in order to bring the calamity to a close. He said we should have demolished this well with explosives over a month ago. Uh, so anyway, there, there's talk, there's definitely more increasing talk of this as well. And again, <laughs> if this is something they want to perpetuate and they want to bring maximum terror and fear and impact into the world, well, that nuclear device is just going to backfire if they end up doing that. So we'll have to kind of see. And again, these are things that we should be praying about, uh, not just sitting here wringing our hands and and being mad about, but praying about these types of things um, and um, seeing where the the Lord leads you if you're in these areas. Uh, My advice would be knowing what I know now is to, if, if at all possible, you know, try to evacuate, get out of here for, for, um, you know, kind of, of, of an indefinite stay wherever you're going to go, because I cannot see this thing getting better. It just does not seem like it's going to get better. And, um, now if some, by some miraculous thing, this thing got capped or God intervened and actually shut it down and, that all happened, that would be one thing. But um, this is most likely, God is letting this happen, most likely as judgment on America. And, and again, a lot of people have got into that as well from a spiritual aspect. Steve Quayle's talked about that, and, and a lot of other people are talking about that this is God's judgment. Uh, granted, the Lord Jesus Christ is, on, is in control of this situation. Uh, but when you have a nation that's you know aborted, millions and millions of babies and, and, the, and the whole thing now where the, uh, 
the sodomite agenda is being just absolutely perpetuated and shoved down our throat and all of the wickedness that is going on. It's and and then our what um, how Obama has just totally um, increasingly turning his back on Israel. You've got a lot of different factors here where we are ripe for judgment. And God is a just God. And it's a matter of time, really. It truly is a matter of time in America for God's judgment to fall. It's just, um, we need to, to uh, seek the Lord, get right, pray, fast if you need to fast, and see what direction the Lord would lead you in regarding this situation. Now here's another angle I have not discussed, and this is also a very good avenue for information regarding this particular event and a lot of other things called the intelhub.com i'm giving you all the links to this in the email that i'll send out i'm kind of making it one-stop shopping for you make it real easy for you to get to this information and this is entitled uh epidemic hazard for venice louisiana core exits reign of terror as information regarding the possible evacuation of the gulf pours in we now have reports that an epidemic hazard was issued almost two weeks ago, according to RSOEEDIS, a website that has a close partnership with the Hungarian government. This hazard was issued for Venice, Louisiana on May 26, 2010. Reports of nausea and trouble breathing due to the toxic dispersant known as Corexit seem to be flooding in. So as if the problem's not bad enough with what is spewing up out of the seafloor sea now, most likely in multiple places in the Gulf. Now they've got to compound the problem. And Corexit not only compounds the problem because it's absolutely totally toxic, way more toxic than the oil, but now it actually itself is a um, is creating all kind of um, allergic and respiratory problems as well. So now you've got this dual thing. And it's like, well, why would they want to use dispersant in the first place? Why? Because you want to create this the tiny droplets of oil in the water and sink it so that we can't get to it, so that we'll never have any possibility of cleaning it up? Well, that's the only reason I can really see. I mean, if you at least if you let the oil come to the surface, you could at least burn it off or contain it or suck it up or use those microbes. This is another thing I've heard a lot about. They've got these microbes that they can put on this stuff that will eat this oil up. Now, granted, if you let it pour out and pour out and pour out, you're going to have to use a lot of these microbes. But there's a lot of different avenues they could use, and they're just ignoring anything viable. Well, what does that tell you? That's telling you they're perpetuating this disaster, and they're doing it on purpose. Corexit only compounds the the whole volatile... And, and again, it almost looks like they're trying to get the air quality so degraded so quickly where they can implement this evacuation, martial law, FEMA, the whole nine yards. It's almost as though they're trying at a breakneck speed, because literally the amount of corexit that they put in there, and I I think they state that here, how many semi-tanker trucks has actually been put into the sea. I'm going to continue with this. It says in their two-week-old report, uh, RSOE stated that the British petroleum workers from all over the Gulf have been getting sick at an alarming rate. Furthermore, the epidemic hazard was declared less than 100 kilometers from the area of a population of over 3 million. Uh, let's see. Uh, this continues. 
Not only have numerous eyewitnesses reported medical tents located on the beach, but a congressman has gone as far to declare the need for mobile health clinics. Residents have also reported smelling chemicals in the Port St. Joe area. Uh, let's see here. Congressman has called for, for mobile health clinics to treat people. Some fishermen have been hired by BB to clean up the Gulf oil spill, say they have become ill after working long hours. Uh, near waters foul with the oil and the, and the dispersant. So, so again, you got both dynamics going on here now. Goes on to say, so they're talking about federally run mobile health clinics sponsored by FEMA. On the same site, there's yet another alert that was put out early in May, and this alert stated that the environmental pollution stated environmental pollution catastrophic. The report listed states of Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. There has also continued fears that the massive plume underneath the spill will greatly complicate any chance of possible cleanup. Uh, this site estimated that as of May 1st, an estimated 910,000 gallons of toxic dispersant have been dumped into the Gulf. That is enough to fill over 100 tanker trucks to capacity. So that's a whole other dynamic that's going on here. And again, the last thing on the planet, if you know anybody working in this stuff or near it, you need to get away from this stuff. You're going to be dead or sick at bare minimum, it's not worth your life. It's not worth your life. And I mean, working for BP would be like working for Satan, essentially. Now, and again, this really hasn't been reported very much uh, at all, but this is there's a report here I'm reading. Oil boundary is 50 miles from Florida, from the Florida Keys by June 15th. Now again, I'm, I'm getting... Somewhat conflicting reports, but at the same time, I'm getting reports confirming that the oil is not only near the Florida Keys, but it's already to the other side of the state. Different, unrelated reports. And I again, I sent out, uh, this email is building and building and building. Let me see if I can find these alerts. Uh, here's one. Coast Guard confirms oil sheen in Florida Keys. Official lay protective boom. Another one. Oil slick spotted 12 miles off Fort Lauderdale. Uh, coast by yacht captain, and that's again, that's um, Fort Lauderdale, and this was days back. Uh, let's see here. There were other ones where I have seen regarding Florida. Uh, here's one: forty million in more to evacuate Florida, and they're heading inland. Uh, but again, if it's if it's going to be end, end up being on both sides of the state, you're going to be kind of sandwiched in, and th that's going to give them the pretext to to uh, evacuate there. Here's another one: oil spill 35 miles from Tampa Bay area by June 8th. Uh, another article was entitled "Now Three Oil Leaks in the Gulf" because they were actually starting to get these pick up on these other leaks. Uh, Florida to be evacuated. Just. One thing after another that, that we're reading about this. Here's another one entitled BP Oil Spill to Reach Miami by June 9th. It says four, and these are all dates that have already passed. Okay, so again, um, another one. Newly released aerial photos reveal oil streamers in Florida Keys. Unfortunately, the photos don't give what we saw justice, said Chris Kaufman, referencing the photos he snapped while flying over the Florida Keys on May 22nd. We saw a lot of oil in the water. He said the oil streamer stretched north to south for at least 10 miles, north to northwest of Marathon, on the Gulf side. 
the water appeared to be heading easterly. So, uh, there's a CNN I report. Significant amounts of oil are floating to shore in the Florida Keys. Here's a report via Facebook. Oil reported at Marathon Key in Florida Keys. So, again, it's, it's there. They're not talking about that. That's just being suppressed. But there's all kind of independent reports coming in regarding that as well. So, as the oil gets to those areas, then the... Um, Air quality will, will continue to degrade. Steve Quayle had released this alert earlier, uh, entitled Extreme Alert Gulf Coast Evacuation Contingency Plan, soon to go operational. Operational name for the Gulf Coast Evacuation is, quote, Swift Fox. Yesterday morning at 8.30 Mountain Time, I received information that specific towns in Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, Mississippi, Texas, and Georgia were having local hotels having hotel rooms rented in mass by different named, quote, societies using federal government credit cards. In light of that, I got this email the other day from a listener, and she said, FYI, my mom works for a major luxury hotel in downtown Houston and has confirmed that there are several room blocks that are registered to different, quote, societies. She said that an enormous amount of calls were received during these room blocks before and during the week of the explosion. Many of the room blocks that the hotel could not offer were transferred to smaller hotels like Hilton, Holiday Inn, etc. So again, this is confirmation of what that I just I, I just reported on. Uh, let me read this. Let me finish reading this. And again, it's exactly as this report was in Steve Quayle. Um, the block hotel room rentals are for half the available rooms in hotels and for a minimum of 120 rooms. Specific conversations were overheard that would indicate the planned Gulf Coast evacuation is soon to be implemented. The only scenario I hear that may force the government to evacuate the coast is a multiple plume situation. We've already got that. Again, I think, though, if we carry that out and extrapolate that out, what is, what is it going to be in the multiple plume situation that is going to really cause the evacuation? It's going to be the air quality degradation that's going to be the really the thing that puts us over the edge. It's one thing to have a ton of oil in the water and chemicals, but it's another thing when the air quality gets affected, you breathe the air in. You don't have to swim in the water, but you do have to breathe the air. So again, another thing that, that you, you may want to really think about is um, air purification for your house. And air purification for wherever you're going to be even. Um, there's a lot of different really good air purifiers out there. Alpine makes some good, great ones. Uh, that's multi-level though if you don't want to get into that. I know Aaron, Aaron Air, it's A-R-A-N. They've got some uh, very good ones. They've really went up in price a lot in recent years. But um, these are ones that put out different levels of ozone and things. And again, you don't want to run them too high because the, ozona- the ozonation of the air, um, if you run it too high, that can have some detrimental things happen as well. So just be reasonable when you use these things. But if you have these things in your house, it's going to go a long way into knocking down a lot of these compounds. Now, the best way to do it if you're in a house is to actually have it ducted into the air AC system. Okay, if you're in something like a travel trailer, you would want to, or a, or a whatever, an RV or fifth wheel. What you would want to do is try to get it as close to where the air is coming out as possible, so that if if there's any uh, uh, chemicals in the air, it's going to nail it right as it's coming out. It's a little bit harder to control in that scenario. If you have a ducted um, house that you're in, though, it's much easier to get the um, 
And they've even got – there's guys that are in the air conditioning business and things of this nature. But again, if you're in Florida, these areas, you want to get out of there. You don't really want to be putting a lot of money into something if you're going to have to evacuate anyway. The nice thing about the ones that are portable is you can take them with you. So um, Alpine, Aaron, I know there's there's good ones out there uh, that, that are available. I think those are, are some of the ones that uh, if you had to, you could be aggressive with – the actual air purification and um, you know knock down a lot of these uh, volatile compounds in the air. This goes on to say, uh, apparently the unmitigated oil spill has caused a pressure flux, which ironically has caused a spider web networks in the Gulf of seabed fissures. Again, this is totally confirming what we just heard, um, which has caused at least one other confirmed oil plume. And again, I think that's very conservative. Noah is searching for two more suspected ones. The quote is from an insider who is really concerned, as he should be. Here's additional info he provided. Um, and then he goes on to say his comments in the following quote. I know FEMA has already scoped out FEMA camp locations, vacant lots, and swaths of land that they can be leased temporarily in Texas and Georgia. There's not enough, I've heard this other scenario too, there's not enough jobs to go around. If they relocate you, uh, last place you want to end up on planet Earth most likely is a FEMA camp. Because um, I, I just can't even imagine what they may try to pull off. The inside guy said that it is up to present to give the go signal. There is an evacuation plan drafted and in place ready for execution only if the administration deems it necessary. That can happen in two ways. FEMA makes an emergency declaration with a recommendation to POTUS uh, for an evacuation, or two-thirds of the Gulf states actually request federal help for an evacuation. States can individually declare an evacuation of their Gulf residents, but that will be a state action, not a FEMA action. Here's another article from Cutting Edge that says National Guard is being called up to patrol areas where the crude oil is being spilled and coming ashore. And I'm seeing a lot more reports on this. I put out a lot of reports on this. All kind of military vehicles, some vehicles with gun turrets on the top of them, uh, particularly in the Gulf Port uh, area there where the uh, is nearest to the oil spill. Uh, all kind of stuff. I've heard a lot of talk about foreign troops mobilizing. Just crazy stuff. This is from... This is an article by Air Force Master Sergeant Mike W. Smith of ArmyMill.com. This is the Army's official website, and it's entitled Guard Readies Itself as Gulf Coast Braces for Oil Spill. At least three states along the Gulf of Mexico are preparing for potential call for thousands of National Guard members as the nation ramps up its response to the Deep Horizon oil spill. Louisiana Governor Bobby Jindal sent letters to federal officials asking them to approve funding to activate up to 6,000 Guards members to assist in the response to the oil spill. Now, this was on April 30th. This article just came out this week, and they act like this just happened. This happened April 30th. So keep that in perspective. Um, in two letters that were addressed to Secretary of Defense Robert Gates and Janet Napolitano, Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security Jindal said the Guard will provide security, medical capabilities, engineers, and communication support in response to this threat. Uh, then it goes on to say, how big is the threat? How big will this threat be? Remember, the Illuminati always wants to publicly maximize the threat their actions have created so that the public will be more thoroughly conditioned and more completely terrified. Remember, order out of chaos. Ordo ab cal, the 33rd degree Freemason motto. 
They're going to create the chaos and they're going to bring the order they want, in this case, the New World Order, out of it. I believe this is literally that big of a deal that we're dealing with here. Uh, Currently, our soldiers and airmen are staging for and are engaged in the planning of the effort to evacuate and provide security and cleanup for the coastal communities expected to be impacted by the oil spill. Jindel wrote wrote this. They're planning on... uh, they're ramping up to helping to evacuate the population. Yeah, that's what it's. That's what he said. Um, so this is some really, really heavy-duty stuff. Here's another article: massive media blackout of Gulf oil spill. According to documentary filmmaker James Fox, reporting from Louisiana, there was a massive media blackout being perpetuated in the Gulf of Mexico. James says that people with cameras are being threatened with arrest. Locals are afraid to talk. The place is swarming with both government officials, corporate, uh, and corporate officials. And by the sounds of this interview, it's a pretty scary situation. So I, I've heard a lot about this as well. People that are actually on the ground there where this is happening. And they're, they're being shut down totally. Here's another report I received that was rather telling. Plane flying over suburban neighborhood spraying. Uh, I live in an affluent suburb of New Orleans. Not, um, and let's see here. This was on the 10th of June. Uh, He goes, I've noticed that every Tuesday night a prop plane makes two passes over our neighborhood, spraying some sort of chemical. So I call the city of Mandeville, where I live. They explain to me that they have nothing to do with it and they can't comment on it and that I should call the FAA. The FAA um, to find out if our parish is spraying something on us. He's not writing this real eloquently, so I'm trying to read it from what he's writing. Just for reference, I was planting a banana tree about 10 o'clock at night on Tuesday. Now, why would we be planting a banana tree at 10 o'clock at night? I don't know. No idea. But he goes on to say, when this prop plane unleashes this cloud of chemical on top of me, it burned my eyes like tear gas to the point where my contacts had to come out, and I had to flush my eyes out with water for an hour. My skin broke out in a terrible rash. I popped a couple of Benadryl and had my wife take pictures. So I called the FAA. The FAA says, what on the earth are you talking about? We have no registered flights over your area other than standard incoming traffic to New Orleans. Perhaps you should call the parish. So I placed the call to St. Tampany's Parish Office. They tell me they have no idea what I'm talking about as well. I explained that the city of Mandeville told me they referred told me they referred more than a dozen calls to them. Then they then referred me to Mosquito Control. Mosquito and Pest Control said they'd get back to me in a couple days. Well, they finally called back and they let me know that I was sprayed with a chemical called Dibrome. Uh, I had a severe allergic reaction and both my Maltese have broken out, which appears to be something along the lines of a protein sore. Now the parish government says that they'd call me now and let me know what the plane... Alone, and let me know prior to what the plane is spraying. And he says, any thoughts? It's almost as though, well, what should I do? I mean, this is insanity. I mean, they shouldn't be spraying this garbage on people. This is, this is criminal. Now, here's, here's a report from a listener. He sent me several emails. Very interesting stuff here. Um, he says, I'm increasingly feeling they're getting ready for something on the 4th of July, as I've said before. I don't know why. It's just kind of a feeling, a gut feeling. I see big white X's on the roads around here, and I've seen them over other parts of the country. I ask the Lord to help me understand what those things mean. Also, they have opened up some of the 
quote, two-track roads in my area. Yesterday, I took my horse for a ride down a road where I live on about two miles south. The road turns to a a two-track road. Well, a couple of months ago, I noticed they'd open up part of it into a wider dirt road. Now, yesterday, I noticed that they have even done more work down there. They have widened it out a little bit more, added six or seven turnout areas in about a mile section of the trail and road. Since my horse wanted to take a break, I sat there for a bit, leaning on him um, while he was munching on grass. I asked the Lord, what does all this mean? He said, Scott, I'm telling you like it was. He showed me a vision, but it was kind of like looking at shadows. There were military vehicles parked in those turnout areas. Mobile shot clinics. Now, I've always said, you know how many teachings I've done on this whole vaccination issue and how they've tainted them with DNA. They possibly have the, uh, they, they definitely have the ability to insert um, microchips in there, whether they're larger microchips or even microscopic. Hitachi has the microchip dust available and uh, the 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 tainted DNA that is in these these shots, you know. Anyway, he goes on to say, truckloads of people were being herded through, checked and vaccinated. There were military and police all up and down the trail, aircraft flying over. If I hadn't been able to see through the people and the equipment as if they were transparent, I would have thought it was real and happening at that very moment. No, I had not been drinking. I'm not on any drugs. I've sworn off any and all drugs and uh, things unless, uh, and even painkillers unless necessary in an emergency. Um, I think they're going to use my road as an evacuation route. They're going to bomb out the main roads, especially if done over big, the big holiday weekend. They will have a very large number of people trapped. Now, I have read on multiple occasions, people in high-level occult said that they're going to, a, a great time for them to implement something really cataclysmic would be during a holiday, holiday weekend. Because people are going to be disarmed, they're going to be partying, a lot of them are going to be inebriated or drunk or on drugs or whatever. They're going to be away from their homes, they're not. They're going to have their guard down. And that is when they're going to implement this. So, again, I, I, obviously we, we can't be dogmatic about this, but I think he brings up some great points. Uh, he says they're going to have a large number of people trapped, they're going to use these newly opened trails to bring people out. Many of the people who live around here wouldn't be able to recognize that where they even are on those trails because they're back in the woods, I guess. Uh, he goes on to say, I've also heard recently they've built a new bridge over a river just north of me. I haven't, gone to, I haven't gone to look at this to verify this. But people had been asking for a bridge to be replaced after it washed out years ago. And they wouldn't replace it. But now all of a sudden there is a bridge there. No news coverage, not a word about it. Some guys that go out there ride the two tracks uh, and happen to notice that it was there. He says, I'm also seeing more military vehicles driving around our area. Hummer just passed me as I'm typing this. There's an old training camp about 75 miles north of here. Um, Let's see here. He says, I'm telling you, Scott, they're going to do something. The fourth seems like a likely time for it to happen. I agree. I think the 4th of July would probably be prime ideal time to pull off something like this. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say, thus saith the Lord, but he brings up some really good points here. This would be the best opportunity to gather up a number of people at the greatest who are being at the greatest disadvantage that they would be. Um, many will be in an unfamiliar place, drunk, drugs, pretty much, uh, at least a few miles from their home. Practically none will bring any guns, and they'll go to watch fireworks. 
So anyway, he brings up some really good points there. Okay, I'm going to leave you with this report here. Uh, this is how I'm going to conclude things for today. It's entitled, What the U.S. Scientists Are Forbidden to Tell the Masses as to the Gulf. This is by a Dr. James P. Wickstrom of drjamespwickstrom.blogspot.com. And he says, what you're about to read is what the scientists in the United States are not allowed to tell you in great fear of the Obama administration. They are under the threat of severe repercussions to the maximum. Scientists confirming these findings cannot be named due to the above, what we just stated. But what they believe, they want to be known by all. Take a U.S. map, lay it flat, and measure it inland. Just the minimum of 50 miles of total destruction all around the Gulf of Mexico, as what you'll read below will then make sense. The carnage to the United States will be so staggering it will take your breath away. Should what the scientists who are trying to warn everybody about is even uh, close to the truth. All of Florida will be completely destroyed, and everyone and everything on it. You decide. Everyone has the right to read what I have just written in this article, as well as what is written below. Uh, it starts out by saying, and again, I give you the link to this. Summary of what is happening. The estimated super high pressure release of oil from the Earth's crust is between eighty to 100,000 barrels a day. And again, there's a lot of conjecture on that. The, the flow of oil and toxic gases is it's bringing up with it rocks and sand, which causes the flow to create a sandblasting effect on the remaining wellhead device, currently somewhat restricting the flow as the well as the drilled hole itself. As the wellhead becomes worn, it enlarges the passageway, allowing an ever-increasing flow. Even if some device could be placed into the existing wellhead, it would not be able to shut off the flow because what remains of the existing wellhead would not be able to contain the pressure, in other words, because it's eroded so much. The wellhead piping is originally about two inches thick. It is now likely to be less than one inch thick. The thinning and, and thinning by each passing moment. The oil has now reached the Gulf Stream and is now entering into the oceanic current, which is at least four times stronger than the current in the Gulf, which will carry it through the world within 18 months. The oil, along with the gases, including benzene and many other toxins, is deleting the oxygen in the water. This is killing all life forms in the ocean where it's present. Along with the oil along the shores, there will be many dead fish, uh, many dead animals, and this type of thing. At some point, the drilled hole in the earth will enlarge itself beneath the wellhead to weaken the area where the wellhead rests upon. The intense pressure will then push the wellhead off the hole, allowing a direct, unrestricted flow of oil through the hole. The hole will continue to increase in size, allowing more and more oil to rise into the gulf. After seven billion, several billion barrels of oil have been released, the pressure within the massive cavity five miles beneath the ocean floor will begin to normalize. This will allow the water under intense pressure at one mile deep to be forced into the hole and the cavity where the oil was. The water will be vaporized and turned into steam. Um, I guess they're saying that the oil that's coming out of there is, is um, very hot. Now, what I've seen, on if you watch even any of the regular feeds now, the oil that's coming out of whatever they're showing you, you can see fire. You can see literal fire uh, that it's like it appears for a second, and then it goes away. It appears for a second, and then it goes away in different parts of this, of where the oil's leaking out of. And he's got another report on that, and I put that in there as well. That's a whole other factor. Um, five miles deep, you're seeing fire here. It's 
Crazy stuff, but let's go further. The water will be vaporized, turned into steam, create an enormous amount of force, lifting the gulf floor. It is difficult to know how much water will go down to the core, and therefore it is not possible to fully calculate the rise of the seafloor. The tsunami wave this will create will be anywhere from 20 to 80 feet high, possibly more. Then the floor of the ocean will fall into the now vacant chamber where the oil was. This is how nature will see the, seal the hole. Depending on the height of the tsunami, the ocean debris, oil, and existing structures that will be washed away onshore and inland will leave the area from 50 to 200 miles inland devoid of life. Even if the debris is cleaned up, the contaminants that will be ground that will they'll be in the ground and the water supply will be will prohibit repopulation of these areas for unknown number of years. This is the end of these scientists' information release. This is what he got uh, from these these scientists that want to remain anonymous and for obvious purposes. So I'm going to leave you with that. These are definite things to be praying about, uh, and you, I, hopefully you can understand where I'm. Coming from at this point, saying that, you know, if, by all means, try to get out if you can, if the Lord's leading you to do that. Uh, it looks as though Florida, in any place near the coast, is just going to be a very, very risky, volatile place to even think about being from pretty much here on out. And um, pray that if you don't have any doors, remember, the Lord can open the doors no man can shut, and shut the doors no man can open. So if you don't have any options, pray the Lord Jesus Christ gives you some options. He opens these doors, that, and he can do it. I mean, he created the universe. He makes the sun burn, and, and the stars burn, and, and, and it's, he's the reason the, the earth spins, and that we have the right amount of oxygen and things in the atmosphere to live, and the, how the earth has a tilt on it, and how we have the seasons. And you know, If he can do all that, there is nothing too hard from him. And that's what the Bible says. Call upon me and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou, know, which thou knowest not. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? He says that in Isaiah. No, there's not. You just have to have the faith to believe that that is the case. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things, uh, of things not seen. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So these are things that you need. And pray if you're not in this area, uh, pray for those that are in there. Pray that God will open doors for them. Pray that, that the Lord will, will you know, preserve the remnant there and, and that he'll provide a way out and that he'll protect the innocent and, and the weak and the meek and the widows and the orphans and, and, and that many would actually end up even getting saved from this. What Satan intended for evil, the Lord would use it for good, that many would get saved and, and get right with the Lord. And there's a lot of positive things that typically come out of God's judgment. And although I do believe man created this event, um, if this is allowed to perpetuate and go to its logical conclusion, and this may be the logical ending conclusion, uh, it's going to be cataclysmic. Well, the, the report I just read is what I meant. It, it's going to be cataclysmic. And um, Jeez, these are just some things, some parting things to leave you with. I'll go ahead and close this out in, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this, this day and time you've given us, Lord. I wasn't planning on doing the study today, Lord, but you, you put me here in, in a situation. And uh, I just pray it's a blessing to those. I pray that you use it in whatever way you deem fit, that 
not just what I'm saying, Lord. All I'm really doing is compiling things, but there's a lot of other people a lot smarter than me, Lord, out there that are putting this information out, the cross-confirmations. I just pray that you put the body of Christ uh, exactly where you want them to be prior to this going truly cataclysmic. Um, I, I do pray for the widows and the orphans and the unborn babies and, and the children and and Lord God, that you would bless them and, and that Lord God, your name somehow would even be glorified through this event. Uh, that you would truly open the doors, Lord, for people to be able to get out of here um, and that Satan would not be able to hinder this process in any way, shape, or form. I pray, Lord, that you'd forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, and that we would not walk in fear, in fear of our own lives and fear of man, but in fear of God, and that, Lord God, you would guide us in all wisdom and knowledge and use us mightily in the day and times to come, and that you would, through the body of Christ, save many. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Oh, and one other thing I, I should probably say is that I don't really know at this point. I wasn't even planning on doing the study today. I don't know when I'll be able to do another study. Um, if I'm able to get out of here this week, um, and it really depends what's going on with my vehicle. Um, if if uh, if I'm able to, to get out of here and, and implement this, you know, I'm not 100% sure when I'm going to be in a position to do another study. So if you don't hear from me for a little while, you know, just bear that in mind. And um, thank you for your prayers and your donations and your support. And uh, may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you. Thank you.